Welcome to Tech London, a show featuring interviews with London's top creative entrepreneurs, startups, investors, design agencies, internet marketers, and freelancers that make up the Tech London online community, which mostly lives on the Slack instant messaging platform. We rotate through both hosts and guests for these interviews, so you have the chance to hear from multiple perspectives on London's tech scene. Hello, folks, and welcome to um, this episode of the Tech London podcast. So in the, uh, in the studio today is, um, is Suzanne. So Suzanne, what are you known for and what would you like to be known for? I'm known for three things. Um, I'm known because I, I work in the world of people over 50 and I have a, both a not-for-profit and a for-profit, both in the do-gooding world. Um, that are about supporting people over 50s. I'm known for being a dirty blues and jazz singer part-time. And I perform around London when it's post-COVID, of course, or otherwise in my little studio at home. And I used to have an app called Frugal, which is still a business, but started in 2014. So I've been around the London startup scene since, yeah, for the past seven years now. So some people still know me from Frugal. And and in fact, I <laughs> I got a Google alert the other day that was talking about Frugal, the app, and about how I was like one of the top 10 startup women in London. And I just thought, is this an old article? And then I realized, no, it was just somebody who just was really lazy and <laughs> done their homework and just, yeah, scraped some, something else probably. Yeah. That, 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 those, um, I, I never trust those, any, any top 10 of anything because they're always, they're either engineered by PR companies. So, you know, I could be the, one of the top 10 London podcasters if you spoke to the right person, which is, which is very inaccurate or they're um, put together by your mates and, um, or, or on legacy stuff. If you if if you appeared high enough for enough days back in two thousand and eight, you can be an innovator in the London tech scene. I, I, I want to jump before I, before we. I'm really interested in the the whole. We were talking before we came onto the podcast about the perception of the startup world and the place of. I don't want to say the place of old people in it because that sounds terrible. That's exactly not what I mean. But what what what, do, what is what is the what is the, what do you think the perception at the moment like in 2021 is of the startup scene in London is it is it for a particular demographic or you know what what's the what's the image do you think we have I I suspect the startup scene I'm I'm a member of lots of startup groups and I have seen over the years that it has definitely become more diverse especially around women so I've definitely seen I was part of a group that started a number of years ago back in um, again, if, but six or so years ago, that started off on a Google sheet called Ada's List. And that group of women working in tech has definitely grown to quite a substantial size. And that's really healthy and 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 great. It's just great. And I've seen just, yeah, more diversity. But I suspect from what I'm seeing still in the funding world, that it is still primarily men who most probably came from a finance background, you know, worked at Deloitte's or Morgan Stanley or PwC or EY, places like that, who are still primarily the ones 
who seem to get the most attention and the most money. How, how do we, um, when I say we, I mean like you and me and everyone else listening to this, like how, how do we let pe- let this still happen? Because it seems like, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, I follow you know, the, the global co-working conversation a lot. And there's a, there's a group called Women in Co-Work. And they're almost like a, you know, they're, a, they're an industry networking group for women that run co-working spaces. But they're almost, they almost have to act like a social justice activist campaign. And there's been a lot of stuff uh, I followed, particularly over, you know, the lockdown period of um, now everyone can, now events are online. There's no excuse not to have a very diverse panel. Mm. And there's still, you know, so many things you go to. There's like, you know what a manal is, I guess? No. A, a manal is like a panel of men talking about business. Um, it's, it's, so, <laughs> a manal. I'll use that one. That's good. I, I love it. So there's, there's, I don't know, just people, particularly in, I'd say, like you said, you know, in, in startups and business, there's some people that make a huge effort and there's some people that just have a, group of men like me talking about startups because they're there um but do, do you feel like you're, you're fighting for you know older older folk or how, how do you how do you refer to that if, if i say older folk is that is that the, <laughs> yeah. the we right call ourselves, i call myself an older yeah. yeah i it's a very complex issue and it's not easy to solve because and it's very understandable having been in it for a while and i And what I see is that most people generally will invest, if we're talking about money, most people generally will invest in people that they recognize as being a bit like themselves. So they're easy to understand and their problems are easy to understand because they might be problems that the person who's providing them with the money has experienced or has some knowledge of. So it's easy to write checks if you're in a world where the people that you're talking to are very similar to yourself and that, you know, it's it's all very clear to you, right? But when you're talking about problems that affect people unlike yourself and the people writing checks are unlike yourself, then there's a disconnect. And we see that every day, right? We see that, you know, there is a lack of representation in the VC world of women. There is a lack of representation in the VC world of people of color. There is a lack of total lack of representation in the VC world of older people. Um, and there's a lack of money and capital generally available just pretty much throughout every, all, all, whether you're white, brown, whatever color you happen to be, if you're in the very early stage and you might need a bit of cash just to get, just to, you know, just to validate what you're doing. Because even though, as we know, everybody, you can build a website using Squarespace or Wix or WordPress or whatever, you know, bubble in the case of the website that I'm, I'm um, working on, Nestle, it still requires cash to be able to access you know, your audience, your cu- your prospective customer. And as much as you may try and quote unquote growth hack that with 
with whatever means you have available to you for no money. When you're in a city like London, and this has certainly been my experience over the past seven years, it's really hard to reach enough people, really, really, really hard in in a city with millions and millions of people without money. It's just really tough. Um, so I, I think everyone struggles in the early days, but I suspect that the reason why younger white men are more successful is because there's more access to capital from white men. There is. It, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, the, so but I don't you- kind of blame them. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I, I think it's unfortunate, but equally it's unfortunate that more women are in, don't want to be in this, you know, space, right? And there's not more women trying or, or more people of color trying to be VCs. Maybe there are, I, and I don't see them. It's hard for them to raise the, it's hard for them to raise enough money, right? To, to get their foot in the door. And I've seen this more recently with someone that I've been dealing with. He's told me about a woman trying to raise capital to help, um, to help people that are serving older people like myself and is still trying to get the fun together. Right. So it is, it is difficult, but you know, I also realize that we're not all VC investable and that's also something that you have to, you have to get to grips with that. You know, if you're, if ultimately you are running a lifestyle business, then, then maybe it is going to be more difficult to, to get the capital that you need. There, there is some, um because I'm part of a project called the co-working idea project, which is uh, around inclusion, diversity, accessibility, and equity. And, um, as, and it's taken a long time to find out how other people feel and I'm still learning. So I'm not going to make any huge announcements or assumptions, but one of the things that comes across is that, um, you know, when you're not a white man like me, life is way more exhausting. So, you know, I can, I can go in, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, I went to a good school, uh, just met loads and loads of people. So life is, you know, nearly effortless for me. And for females or people of color, I know they, they have to work like, I don't, I don't know what the actual data is, but they have to work harder than I do just to do things. And there's, there's a, a, a article I was reading by, which was about women going for investment. And it, it goes back to what you say. So I'm not, there's a bit more to it than all, all, you know, white men are evil. Um, but when a, when this female went into a room for venture capital and took a man with her, mm. she got more funding. Uh, and there's, a, there's a, some, there's some, I'm going to see if I can look and find it and put it in the show notes, but um, someone just collected some data on this and it's like a uh, woman walking into a room to pitch, not very good results. Woman walking into a room with a man to pitch, great results. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, there, uh, there's, there's loads of statistics to prove that if you are a single female founder, it is very, very challenging to raise money more so than if you are a single male founder. Um, that's for certain. And I'm always surprised that there are clearly, you know, you, there are massive problems uh, that need solving at all stages of life. And, and one of the things that has surprised me um, as I'm emerging from my menopausal stage of life is that only now is, does it appear that there's some attention being given to a stage of a woman's life that lasts for a decade 
and can seriously impact on her ability to function <laughs> in the most basic ways, right? Just um, the ability to be able to go to work and not suffer brain fog or, you know, break out in a sweat every five minutes or just feel generally crap. And this, you know, this this stage of a woman's life has been in existence <laughs> pretty much forever and or forever. And yet it's only now that that there's some capital being made available to start looking at this particular stage of life and how some of these issues might be addressed. Meanwhile, on the other hand, and, you know, sorry to get a bit graphic with this, one, but, but, you know, you look at men just as a group, right? And you think they get to a certain stage of life and there's some stuff that happens to them, mostly downstairs, right? <laughs> and, and yet there is and there is no shortage of medication on the market that you can now go into boots and easily access no shortage of companies addressing that very one specific issue right that men have no shortage of capital that's being you know thrown at them, literally at solving that one specific problem and you think that just seems ridiculous. It's just, it's insane when you think about it. It's so nuts. But clearly, you know, the people that are handing out the drugs and the money for all of that stuff has gone, this is a big problem, guys. (laughs) We got to sort this one out. Whereas women are going, what about us? We have a decade of just living through hell. (laughs) It's it's because it doesn't, it doesn't occur to like, I just to get even more graphic, you know, when you, when you've, so, so I was there for the birth of my child and, and I just, you know, I, I, I've, I've got a whole new take on, um, what my wife has to go through to, uh, to, for, for us to have our son. And, and, but when, and until you like, you might know about it and see it in, you know, we all saw friends and Jennifer, Aniston giving birth on on friends and you kind of you know suck like a sort of um funny thing um but until you, you don't know it's true to you it happen it happens to you do, do you happen to know Kate Usher who who writes a lot about I'll put a link in the show notes folks she she writes a lot about um menopause and oh yes 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 I read her thing on a yeah I saw a guardian piece on her on the weekend yeah, yeah she's, 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 she's great. Yeah, she's amazing. But I mean, you know, these sorts of people, I've been mentoring a woman who's um, been got a big community around menopause and she's now uh, doing, she's realized that the not-for-profit world is really difficult and she's now going into the corporate environment with her workshops just to educate employers as to how they can support women through this stage of their life, right? Because again, they're realizing that they do have a responsibility in the same way that when women are pregnant, you know, they have a responsibility to understand that they might need a bit of time off and, and, and all of that. So Yeah, but this, you know, it's just, it's amazing when you think about the fact that women have been experiencing these different challenges throughout their life from puberty to, you know, getting birth, giving birth and menopause and all of that sort of stuff. And yet there's so little money really spent on supporting them through any of this. Whereas, you know, as I just said, 
as as soon as a man has a has a little problem, it's just kind of like I'm gotta scared. sort I'm that out. What what is um <laughs> so talking talking of men the wrong side of forty or fifty? What how how does how does um start up school for seniors happen? Because that, that when, when I saw your little thing came through that, that and I know we've got this way into the podcast and we're only just bringing it up, but that, yeah. that really got my attention because there is kind of like in, in, in co-working the average, I don't know what it is this year, but like the, the average age of a co-working member is 38 and the, the age that most people start a business is way higher than I would say the public perception is. Everyone thinks it's because you, you hear about the 18 year old guy starting, you know, mega, mega cork from his phone, in a telephone box, you know, but can you, can you explain a bit more about the, the, I don't know, life later in starting up? Cause there's, it's, it's way bigger than we think it is. I would venture. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I started working in this area in 2017, actually with somebody who had uh, funded my first startup frugal and she had been doing this work with young mothers and we, we're thinking about whether this would work for older people. And the reason why was that I was starting to see that my friends, mainly in middle management, were losing their jobs and were struggling to find a, you know, a new job. And when you've lost your job in later life, and perhaps you've been in the same job for a significant period of time, what I was seeing was that they were going through quite a, you know, a big mental journey of thinking, what do I do now? You know, what is left for me? Is, am I just, is there any value for me in the workplace anymore? Am I being valued in the workplace? So we set up this um, actually in-person program called the Business Academy, and we got a little bit of startup funding, pilot funding, set it up as a not-for-profit and it was it was great. It worked really well. And actually, I dragged in some of my startup friends to appear on a panel and do a kind of Dragon's Den type panel at the end. And these were a group of people, mainly middle class people who, for one reason or another, had found themselves out of work. And for some, it had come as, as a complete shock. And for some, they were just looking for a change of direction, something different to do. And I did that for a few years, went through various, um, metamorphosized into various uh, different types of programs. I was really ready to give it up um, for a number of reasons. And that was mainly because I wasn't able to access the funding. And when we tried to offer a paid for program, it wasn't successful. And that could have been because for a number of reasons. But I do suspect that people my age um, have a massive fear, fear of failure. That's what I've seen. And um, they didn't want to pay for a program they thought might not lead to a happy ending. <laughs> not the kind of happy ending that we know, but you know. Um, I and, thought that. I was going to say it. <laughs> anyway, anyway um, then COVID came along this and suddenly we saw hundreds of thousands of people over 50 being made redundant or unemployed or furloughed and they were and that was being reported on and that was the first time really that I'd start started to see statistics around the scale of the problem and a guy that had come to me a, about a year earlier also interested in supporting over 50s I I said to him you know should we 
should we apply for some cash to make this a digital program? Because obviously with COVID, we couldn't have it offline anymore. And he said, sure, let's put in an application. And if you get the money, yeah, I'd love to come and join you. So I put in an application um, through what was called London Community Response, which was basically organizations like ourselves who were not able to deliver in the same way because of COVID, um, transforming their delivery to, say, digital delivery. And I got that funding. And from um, that was in May of last year, from sort of May to September, when we launched our first program, we made over 25 hours of video content. I took all of my learning from being self-employed since my 20s. Um, and Mark, who also spent a huge amount of time running businesses, actually had an exit from a unicorn, but now was a business coach, really um, a massive advocator of the lean business model and the lean canvas. We sort of took all of that methodology and threw it at this program and ran it from September to November. And about um, 40 people went through it. And it was it was amazingly um, successful. And I, we got these amazing testimonials. I was absolutely exhausted. And then we were uh, then we were procured to deliver it again um, through Hammersmith and Fulham Local Authority and Camden Giving. And now we're speaking to a range of local authorities and funders about um, how we can scale up the program and deliver that work on a more national level. Um, and it's been it's been a very it's been transformative, not just for the participants, but for me, because I've been able to see how we can support people to start businesses that are not in the majority of these kind of ridiculous scale up businesses that we, you know, that so many people are, are trying to um, create in shortage and those, and those kind of areas, but, you know, just, just kitchen table businesses, people that have um, seen problems in the workplace and they want to be able to try and solve those people who want to take the job they might have just been made redundant from and see if they can go um, self-employed as a consultant doing similar types of work. So it's been a very broad um, array of businesses that we've, that we've seen emerge from this program, but it's been, yeah, it's, I mean, I suppose what's surprises me the most is that people don't recognize how all of their years of experience in the workplace and just of being on the earth has contributed to what they know and and what they can use when they start a business. I think so many of them come in feeling really low and you know, as I said before, just unable to see a positive future for themselves and they leave feeling energized and positive and with a whole bunch of new skills and friends and yeah it's great with 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 that little bit of transformation there is that does that come like do you teach some magic formula and everyone goes wow i get it now or 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 is it how much of that this is a really crap question sorry it's a great idea but a crap question how much of that comes from like people being with each other and going, Oh yeah, I get that too. Like recognizing themselves in each other. It's a combination of factors. Part of it is the fact that Mark and I are in our 
50s and 60s now. And so they recognize that we are totally relatable. You know, I'm not one of those people who says, oh, I've made a million pounds and, you know, and I've done this and I drive a Maserati, you know, I live in a flat in London and I still, I still struggle in the same way that everybody who works for themselves struggles, uh, especially in early stage businesses. So they can see that I, that we're both completely relatable and they can see that there's people around them who are in similar circumstances and they can relate to those people. And I suspect that they very rarely see people like themselves. And as you've acknowledged, the startup scene has a reputation for being full of young people. So they are generally feeling excluded from that world and it and and to find a place where they feel welcomed and supported and able to express you know what they don't know and what they need to learn in a safe space is is really great and that's the kind of feedback that we get from people is you know it's is that they find us inspirational and they just find the whole process very welcoming And it's not fast paced. I I mean, I think I have to stress that as well. It's not, I've been, you know, I I was on an incubator last year with Bethnal Green Ventures with my other uh, startup. And, you know, those kind of environments, very fast paced, lots of, you're kind of quite driven throughout the process. And that's great if, you know, if you're a person that wants that kind of intense um, learning, but when you're in your 50s and 60s, a lot of those people are like, look, I I didn't watch the videos this week, okay? And you're like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's okay. You can watch the videos next week. The videos are not going away, okay? It's, it's perfectly okay. So, so they're being made to feel like they haven't failed just because they had, you know, their mom had a fall or somebody needed attention in their family or something happened to them and they couldn't participate that week. It's like, it's okay. It's fine. Whereas, you know, some, some of these other programs like tech stars and stuff, you'd think, well, probably wouldn't be so fine. Right. So where's, um, where is the, like in that first thing you said in Bethnal Green Ventures, why, why is it so fast paced and intense is it because uh, I'm, I'm sort of wondering sometimes if we think that's how we have to act in those environments so it is more fast paced than intense than it actually is because every, everyone thinks that that's what startup world is like in bgv it's similar to tech stars in that it does come with funding so there is an expectation with that money that a you're going to carry on and continue to raise money because that's the world at which you are now in you are now in even though it's a fairly small amount of money you are in the vc world and therefore the expectation in the vc world is throw cash at you build fast build smart right um that is basically that world is you know, keep raising money and keep, you know, keep growing, keep testing. And so once you're in that world, I suspect the speed at which these programs are, is just getting you used to the speed that you're going to, that they want you to be at. That's just, you know, they don't want somebody that's just kind of chugging along. They, they want people that want to build fast and um, smart. So, yeah, I don't, 
I, I knew when I went into that program that that was the expectation and I was okay about that. It, it, it is fun. Uh, like if, if you end up in the, uh, or, you know, when, when I've ended up in, I've ended up in some horrible fast paced environments, but when, when I found uh, an environment that is fast paced, it is, it's amazing. Like how much, how much mental learning you can cover in, in such a short space of time. I'm, um, I've got my car on double yellow lines outside, so we're going to have to wrap up now. But um, where, where can people find you on, online, Susan? Your, uh, your empire. My empire. Um, I have a website called suzannenoble.co.uk that sort of covers my life. And yeah, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn and Startup School for Seniors and Nestful. And my YouTube channel is just called Dirty Blues. And yeah. There's probably a there's I, I counted twenty one social media channels the other day so there's so many different ways to find me. It's just that I'm, I'm I, if if you put I used to say put Bernie into um, Google and it would come up Bernie Mac and then Bernie Sanders rose to fame so now he he, he obliterated my SEO ranking but I really <laughs> appreciate your time today and I'm sure this won't be the first conversation we have like this. Thanks for listening in today, ladies and gentlemen, and. Um, subscribe all over the like like suzanne said you'll find us on every little platform there thanks to jonathan for producing this and be careful out there it is a jungle thank you you've been listening to the tech london show if you're interested in joining the community or even making an appearance on this show make sure you join our slack group over at techlondon.io till next time